Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 165. I'm your host, Eric Moore. And this week, we're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about big one-day moves in stocks, how individual stocks have a ton of risk in them like this. Like This is not uh, necessarily something that only happens once in a while. It happens all the time. And it may not be in one day, but it could be over time. And I also want to spend uh, a bit of our uh, efforts on understanding there are ways to hedge individual stock risk. And I think the Netflix example, and time and time again, we see these, is just another example of why it's so crucial and important to really look at this. And as many of you may know, Netflix, uh, some people say it crashed 35%. But it went down 35%. And I think that's, you know, it could be a little north of there, a little south of there. But what happened was Netflix reported earnings. And right after they reported earnings in the after hours, so stock closes at 4 p.m. In the after hours, it opens, you know, it's still trading, although those markets can be kind of thin. And the company releases earnings. And, you know, if you look at the earnings per share they put out, all right, wasn't uh, horrible. Basically, their, their earnings per share beat analyst estimates. I think, uh, what did they say, 353 per share. It was a year-over-year decline. And I think the analyst estimates, the consensus was about $2.89 a share. So, okay. Not not too bad there. And by the way, I don't I don't follow the stock, and nothing I'm saying, you know, don't take this as a, a recommendation. You know, we uh, I'll I'll sort of get to how we look at all this in a second. Um, and then you look at revenue. So top line is revenue, bottom line is earnings per share, and they basically matched on the expectations of revenue, about seven point nine billion, I think. Uh, if if this uh, this site I'm looking at is correct. But what they really missed on was they lost, I think it was 200,000 subscribers in Q1. And I thought the analyst predictions were something like an ad of of 2 million. I could be wrong on that. And part of that is I think they pulled out of Russia. So that's somebody don't, well, I was going to say, don't quote me on this, but I think somebody mentioned that's like 500,000 or 700,000 subscriptions they lost. I, I don't know if that's the case. But that was uh, that paid membership was really troubling, I guess, to people. Obviously, the, the market's a voting machine and people vote with either buying or selling shares. And you got the drop there. And there's some other interesting things too. I mean, some people might say, well, you know, they raised their prices in Q1 and so even if they lose subscribers, if the people who are left are paying more, is that, you know, just as good? And they say, you know, they're going to cut down on, on password sharing. They're losing money on that and they have some sort of plan for that. And then I think in the earnings call, they discussed offering a tier that is ad supported. So, you know, right now you pay for Netflix or apparently people don't pay and they just grab somebody's password, at least according to the company. And you would watch it then and they'd show you ads, which is kind of a pain. I've watched, I think it's Hulu. And if you watch that with ads, it's just, it always comes up at the most inopportune times and it's not a great experience. But anyway, I bring this up 
because it's a, just another example of how you know individual stocks look. Everyone knows diversification works to a point, to a point. You can diversify away, you know, when you diversify and you buy the S&P 500, you buy like, you know, Vanguard's total stock market fund, which includes every, I don't know, it's like got like 8,000 companies in there. And of course, if one company goes down 35% or 50% or goes bankrupt and just goes away, that is offset by a number of the companies that are in there. Now, you can only diversify so much. And we saw that, you know, in 2008, a lot of people said, well, wait a second, I had the S&P, but peaked the trough, I was down like 55%. And so you can diversify away single stock risk, you can't diversify away enough market risk. And, you know, always thinking about 2008, if I look at sector performance, peak to trough, you know, peak in 2007 and the, and the trough, the bottom in March of 2009, I mean, the S&P was down over 56%, financials down 82.5%, industrials down 63%. Of course, that wasn't just one day. Uh, but you can only diversify away so much. And that's part of the reason why, you know, we like to, to buy markets, things like the S&P 500, and then hedge those. And by hedging, you can cut that, the risk that you can't simply eliminate through diversification. But there's a lot of people who own single stocks. And some of this, look, uh, you hear about the YOLO, you only live once, and it's the idea of pile all your money into deep out-of-the-money call options on a stock, and if it hits, you make a lot of money. The reality is most people are going to lose on that. I'm just being honest with you. It really doesn't work. And sure, you can do YOLO and if you, if you make it. Um, honestly, it, it takes a little longer, but this stuff works. If you put money in consistently, especially early on when people are younger and they get the compounding effect over time, it's, it would be hard not to build wealth. But for, there are instances when you have single stocks. I mentioned Netflix went down about 35%. Single stock drops happen all the time. A lot of times they have happen around earnings. Earnings are the four times a year that a company comes out. And as you know, they release numbers and analysts have expectations and valuations are built upon current and future expectations for growth and for earnings. And then they discount those future earnings to the present. But if I look uh, and I'll if you want a copy of this, uh, I wrote a, a whole white paper along with Jay Pestercelli on how to manage the added risk of concentrated positions. If you shoot me an email at derek.moore at zegafinancial.com, I'll be happy to uh, uh, to send that out to you. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Zega, Z-E-G-A, that's Z's and Zebra, E's and Apple. E's and Apple. No, Z's and Zebra, E's and Eddie, G is and George, A is and Apple. Financial's up to you to spell correctly. I'll shoot you out a link to this. But one of the things we did when we wrote that paper, uh, we found, just for example, in, in the second quarter of 2019, post-earnings one-day drops. You had Tesla down 14%, Beyond Meat down 13%. Uh, Kraft Heinz, the ketchup people, right? They were down almost 15%. Zillow was down like 18%. And, you know, you look and go out through history, 
Crocs is one that came to mind. Crocs, I mean, the majority of their market cap was just sliced off after earnings. Uh, LinkedIn, when that was a public company before Microsoft bought it, February of 2016, one day drop, 43.5%. Uh, SMTP, is that stamps? I don't remember what that, I think, I think, I don't want to say for sure that is, but February of 19, down 50%. You know, 3M, they make the post-it notes, the masks, right? Down 13%. 2U Incorporated, I can't remember what that company does, but they were down 65%. Disney lost 9% in August of 2015. Those are one-day drops. Even look right now, while the market isn't down 40 50%, there's a lot of names out there that are down that much. And, you know, the, think about, uh, you know, okay, so, so first of all, why would somebody hold one stock? I mentioned the YOLO crowd, right? The idea you only live once, so let's not diversify, plow all the money into one name, and if it hits, it hits. I wouldn't advocate for that. This stuff works over time. It's not going to make you rich overnight. But if you put money in over time, we know that it historically has worked. And once you build up enough wealth, then you start to, uh, to look at hedging. I'll be honest with you. If someone is young and they don't have a lot of money and they're just starting out, I- I'm just going to say something a little contrarian. What you put your money in, you know, whether it's the S&P, whether it's the NASDAQ, the Russell, or some other index, it- it's really a little bit irrelevant. What's relative, relevant is putting in money, doing it consistently. As you build wealth, then it comes down to you know, a lot of things that we advocate, the idea of being long markets and staying long markets, but having hedges on there. So you don't try and time the market. You're not trying to pick tops and bottoms. Um, and the more money you have, the more it matters, the tactics but early on, it's it's somewhat irrelevant. You know, as long as you're, you know, I, I'm not advocating for single stocks, of course, but uh, generally, you know, just pick a, a broad index fund. But why do people have concentrated positions? Well, some people wind up retiring from a company, they got a lot of company stock, and they might have a zero cost basis. Guess what? They're reticent to sell it because. If they sell it and they pay huge capital gains, it's like, oh, you know, I'm in the highest tax bracket. I live in California and New York. My taxes are really high, state uh, or city taxes in the cases of New York and then federal taxes. You're going to give up a lot of that profit. And so they are uh, somewhat cautious about selling that. The other is you just bought something and you've held it for a long time. Um, Let's take a stock like Adobe. Adobe. Why Adobe? I don't know. Somebody asked me about it the other day. So Adobe at one point was trading, I think it was $680, $690 at the all-time high. And it's since traded back down to 408 You know, that's 280 points it's shed. And 280 points off 688, if my math is right, it's, some, you know, it's a little over 40% or something like that. These stocks go down. They might, and it may not be a one-day thing like we were just describing, but over six months, four months. And imagine you said, "Well, I don't want to sell because I and diversify because, okay, I'm going to pay taxes. Um, 
you know, that's, it, it's, it's a barrier to doing that. And so one of the things I, I wanted to talk a little bit about is, you know, single stock risk or concentrated stock positions are something that generally are thought of by many advisors and, and many investors as sort of an unsolvable problem. They know they should diversify. I think diversify and hedge like we do with our buy and hedge strategies. Uh, but, you know, in general, it's like, well, what do I do? And we know that if you think about, you know, standard deviation is, is one of the general proxies for risk in a market. And just to give you an idea, uh, in the white paper I did, and again, uh, shoot me a, an email, derek.moore at zegafinancial.com. I'm happy to send you the full white paper that we did on this. And one of the things, this was from uh, a study from uh, Certs and Price in the year 2000. And they looked at owning single stocks versus a, a market portfolio, i.e., you know, like the S&P 500. And the annualized standard deviation of a single stock is something like 45%, meaning, you know, remember the bell curve, 68% of the time, a stock will move up or down 45%. Markets around 14.5%. Those were their numbers. Uh, some other numbers I took uh, from, I think I looked at 1928 to... Um, I forget, was this 2004 or through that period um, and beyond? I think I did this through 2019. So it's probably quite a, quite a bit of a, a time. You know, a one standard deviation range from the market is something like minus 11 to plus 30%. A single stock range, you know, remember, this is 68% of the time, one standard deviation, the bell curve. Remember that, right? Uh Single stock range is something like minus 38 to 60%. So minus 38 to plus 60%. Think about that. In a given year on an annual basis, one standard deviation, yeah, you're down 40%, you could be up 60%. So these numbers show you the risk in single stocks. And we know from the Netflix announcement and what happened to Netflix, it's just another example of how single stocks present a lot of risk. So what is the, what's the solution there? Well, you can hedge single stocks. You can generate income on single stocks. And you can try and structure a timeline to divest of positions over time. And that depends on the person and, and what they're looking to accomplish. But one of the things, that, all right, so if you take a, a single stock and let's imagine that that you know, maybe somebody who owned Netflix. And by the way, Netflix, I think, has had 10 single-day moves of greater than 10%. And I don't know what time frame somebody was telling me that. And they've, I think over time, didn't they shed like 50 to 70% of their, their market value? I forget what year that was. It might have been, it's been some time ago now. Kind of the years run together. But the idea is that you can take single stocks, and somebody says, I don't want to, I know I should diversify, but I don't want to because I have to pay all these taxes or I work for a company and I've got all this low cost, no cost basis shares. Why not take those and look at an acceptable downside range? Now, there's not going to be a, a hedge from zero down, meaning I don't want to lose any money on this. That's going to be too expensive. But you start to take a look and say, okay, well, 
what if I want to hedge? I'll, I'll feel the first 15 or 20% or 10% down. And then I want to have something that offsets losses below that. So that's kind of a good general starting point. And using options, with options, you have options. And a lot of people think of options as really risky and they know their neighbor lost a lot of money on those. And they're right. Most people speculate with options. And I'll give you an example. If I said, hey, I have this butter knife, is that dangerous? And you'd say, well, no. But I could certainly do something nefarious with it. You can use options strategically as a hedging vehicle, as a vehicle to potentially generate income. So you take a concentrated position, you say, okay, let's look at an acceptable downside. And then the question is, do you need to generate income or do you want to just try and offset the cost of that hedging? So hedging has a cost. The hedging cost is what does it cost to buy my insurance? And the wider the, the band, the less costly it is. Remember, you could, you could protect something from, you know, right now, I don't want to lose anything, but there's a higher cost in that. And the cost gets embedded in that, that you know, structure as well. And so a lot of times what we look at is, is there's something called a, a collar where you could take and say, hey, let me sell some premium above the market, put a little ceiling on that, which uh, can get moved up or down in, in the management of the trade and use those that income uh, to help pay for the downside insurance. And I, I bring this up because, as I said, it's, a lot of time it's, it's considered an unsolvable problem. But the reality is with options, there are solutions. You got options. And then the other thing is, the ability to structure exits over time. So you take, you take a large concentrated position, you say, okay, how much are you okay divesting of each year? And the strategy can sort of be uh, tweaked a little bit to take that into account. So the reason I brought this up is a lot of times I, I see people trading uh, individual stocks and I also see people say, you know, I, I, I'd get out, but I don't want to pay the tax. And it's kind of, what is it? Pound foolish, penny. What, what's the saying there? Uh, save a penny, pound foolish. I don't remember what it is. Send me an email if you remember what that is. I can't think of it right now. But it's this idea of sometimes what you're trying to avoid is what you wind up experiencing anyway. And my point there is that uh, if you're reticent to, to do anything, you might wind up losing more than you would have paid in taxes. So what I would suggest is if you're someone that has, or if you're an advisor that, that has clients or other investors that have concentrated stock positions, and a lot of times people have quite a bit of wealth tied up in these single names or a few names, uh, what I would say is that there are things to look at and any discussion that we have with, uh, with either clients or advisors usually starts out, you know, what is it that you want? What's the acceptable risk? Is there a price you'd be willing to sell at? 
do you, do you need to pay for the, uh, you know, the, the cost of hedging? Uh, if you do, that's another discussion as well. Uh, that would require selling some other premium. Do you want to generate income? Uh, there are some things we can do synthetically with options that will offset, um, you know, downsides or potentially generate income. So all of these things are in the mix. But once again, time and time again, it's not new to see stocks move this much. So I hope that's helpful. And I just wrote a piece, I'll link to it on the ZegaFinancial.com site, uh, pointing out that, yeah, once again, 35% drawdown on Netflix. Good reminder about single stock risk. And if you send me an email, I'm happy to send you this, this white paper we did on single stock risk, both the problem, the solutions, and some different things to look at. There's also a case study in there that we used uh, from an example of where we hedged single stock risk for, for somebody. So with that, I'll leave it there. I hope to hear from uh, anyone in the audience. I love getting emails. A lot of times I get ideas for future podcasts. We'll be back next week. I think we're going to do some stuff. Uh, the 60-40 portfolio continues to to fail. And there was a, an interesting quote in Bloomberg. You know, a lot of people say it's a 60-40 portfolio dead. There was a writer who said, was it ever alive? And they made some interesting points. So we may get into that. And I promised it we're going to do a way too early midterm election preview. There's a lot of uh, things to look from an investment side. There's some interesting angles there. And so looking at that, uh, the House, the Senate races, and also we'll take a look at the uh, the president, a way too early look at the presidential race based upon the 13 keys. So all that stuff is coming in, in future weeks. We may have some other guests on as well. So keep the emails coming. Hopefully that was helpful. And we'll talk to you all next week.